it's pretty close, right? The only difference is, is that he didn't become world famous in acting. But yeah, having to escape yeah. from Cuba and kind of having Castle try and kill him. And really, no matter what, coming at, what did Arnold come at? He came at like 17 to this country, something like that. Yeah. Uh, coming to this country at 17, uh, my dad also came around that same age. But being white and being what everyone considers black, That's especially right. in the 60s, yes. I just couldn't imagine. And, you know, me and him, we've, we've never really seen eye to eye. But the more that I kind of get into the sport and even just kind of an adult, but I guess that's the way it works with your parents, right? You, you only realize what they went through when you get older. Right. But uh, I couldn't imagine if while I'm trying to prep, like if, I, if I'm prepping for a show and I have a fight with a girlfriend or just any kind of issue, it throws me off. Like it's just fucking up my diet. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not, I may be missing the gym. I can't even imagine dealing with no. poverty and racist people like on a level where, cause like, the racism that we talk about today with what's going on, it's actually not even a percent of what it was in the sixties. You know, it was almost kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I only know like, from what I've read and, and, and what I, what I know, right. I, I have you know, to, I, ha I have to agree. Yeah. I can't even, I can't imagine when it was almost cool to treat people a certain type of way, you know, and then throw in that he can't even be like taken in to black people because he doesn't speak English. Yeah, because he's Spanish. He's so, Spanish. right, yeah. at least, you know, at least kind of like back then, they would have, you know, their people and take care of them, you know. But yeah, he really didn't have really much. And uh, I can't imagine what he was going through doing that. And then to even want to pursue something like that, like a world-renowned... Because first he was doing powerlifting. Right. And I get that. I get, like, lifting weights, not to, like, make it sound like it's not... Uh, a hard thing to do but it is a lot more simple you know you just work on your pr you get your weight up to a certain weight and that's it it's not kind of like this 24-hour job that you have to do with bodybuilding yeah. uh it's a completely different lifestyle so i understand him doing it to get out of cuba use that as an, uh, an escape to go to the olympics and stuff like that but yeah doing bodybuilding i don't even know how that must have started for him i know i know how it did i know right. someone came up to him and you know that's how it works someone comes up to you hey you should do a bodybuilding show etc but i just don't know how in his mindset when he's working five jobs and all that that he's thinking let me work on my rear delts you know right. just random right. stuff right. 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 so so yeah so i i really no one's gonna ever know that's the crazy thing is that yeah. even in his book you can buy his book and he talks about it but it's not the same no it's you know. not and i don't think he gets enough uh uh credit i really don't um as far as being a bodybuilder and as far as where he came from because i mean just a little bit of research i was doing last night he fought in the revolution in cuba right right when, mm -hmm. when he was only 16 am i accurate yeah it was something like that uh -huh. and he fought on the side of batista and lost uh to, to fidel castro right, right in, uh -huh. in that war and um his escape was amazing. Uh, do you uh, care to tell that story? Or you want me to just regurgitate what I've read? <laughs> um, well, more or less that, uh, you know, they were supposed to go to the Pan American Games for, because uh, that back then Cuba was competing in the Olympics. There was a while where Cuba wasn't even in the Olympics anymore. Um, so they were going, and then when instead of going to, you know, I, I don't know, like the training camp or wherever they were supposed to go, he tried to escape, tried to find the, the embassy. Yeah. And he actually had given up, he couldn't find it. And then he saw like a little churro stand and he went to just go get one. And then when he went to get one, he saw the embassy and like booked it and ran for it. 
But then because he was escaping, all the other athletes were like, man, we're going to escape too. So now it looks like my dad was just this whole orchestrator of this whole escape plan mm -hmm. from the beginning when really he was just going to leave himself. Right. So then that's why Castro got mad and was thought he orchestrated the whole thing and tried to kill him in Miami. And, wow. and it's crazy because yeah, if, if Castro didn't try and kill my dad, they would have never put him into protective services and moved him to Chicago, which he, therefore, but, I didn't know. That's uh, how right. There's no way a Cuban would ever leave Miami and go to negative 25 degree weather. Right, right, you know? right, 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 right. But then, you know, he met my mom, you know, so it's kind of cool. Okay. And then when he was in, um, when he was in Chicago, he was working at a steel mill, right? Like his first job. Yeah. It was like, a, like, a he had a bunch of jobs. It was like a steel mill and then he worked at like a meat, uh, place. This is, what, this is what I mean by your, your father is the definition of genetic freak. From what I read and correct me if I'm wrong, he was working 10 to 12 hours a day, hard labor. And then he would go to the gym two to three hours at night. Um, I don't know anybody, and I'm sure back then the dieting wasn't the same and the food and of the course not. weren't the same. So here's this man who's working 10, 12 hours, I'm sure breaking his butt, trying to make, earn a living and then going to the gym and putting on this extraordinary amount of muscle. Anybody else would wither away. Yeah, right. You would lose muscle. Yeah. 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 And then, um, he goes to, um, Chicago in 64. You know, I don't even know. I think so. Exactly. I don't exactly know. Yeah. Anyway, by 67, he's Mr. Olympia. I mean, right. that, you know, but that's a, that's just, that's just heat. There are, like I said before, like a Phil Heath, there are just certain people that are meant to be bodybuilders and the best of the best. And your dad was clearly one of them yeah. because in those conditions, it's, it, I can't, like you said, yeah. but now, but putting on that weight was not easy. Um, no. um, I, there were a lot of kids in the gym because I'm 45. And there are a lot of there are a lot of young guys in the gym that talk to me about working out and whatever. And I try to give them advice and whatnot. And they say they want to pull a muscle. And I try to say, well, you have to eat. And they're like, I do eat. And then they give me an example of what they eat. And they're like, well, I have a bagel and I have eggs. Yeah. Like, no. I have three and eggs I, and a bagel. And then, yeah. yeah. And then I always make them watch your video of the types of shakes you used to make. <laughs> so can you just tell us, in, in order to get to that 300 pounds, the types right. of shakes you used to make and how much you used to have to eat back then? Yeah. You know what? I don't think that anyone could have realistically stuck with me for more than one day um, and, and consume the amount of food I did. The only person who I think might have consumed more than me or comparable to me would be Greg Kovacs because his mm -hmm. wife would basically make the stuff and put it right in front of him and he would have to eat it. He was like a, a machine. He would pour. He would drink. He drank a lot of shakes, though, mm -hmm. but he ate, he ate a lot. He ate a lot of food. And that's why he was 400 pounds. But, right. you know. I probably at some point, if I wasn't so lazy, I would I would try to recreate a day of eating for myself. I wouldn't necessarily eat all the food, but if I just prepared it all and put it in front of me and showed everyone what I consumed on a regular basis, no one would believe it. Yeah, because I didn't. If I ate eggs, I ate twelve whole eggs. I mean, they went oh. whether they had to go into a blender or they had to go. You know, I had to just cook them and, and swallow them, like you know, almost whole, like you know, because I would poach them or and I would just basically just you know, basically take the plate and just slurp them down my throat, you know, and I didn't care. I did anything I had to, to get this, the food down. Um, you know, the shakes, the, the, the mass shakes that I made that, that are notorious were 12 egg whites and 12, excuse me, 12 whole eggs. I would put them into a, um, uh, like a, a plastic Tupperware container. And I, because somehow I had this, I had this think 
thing in my head that I was going to get like salmonella from them mm -hmm. from drinking them raw. It would have been way easier if I didn't. So I would cook them in the microwave for a minute and they would start to turn like the whites would start to turn like gel like, you know, they would actually start almost start being like real eggs. And then I would throw those in the blender. So not only were they partially cooked, but they were hot. So I throw 12 hot eggs into the blender. Then I'm putting like a, a, a cup of apple juice, a cup of uncooked oats. Okay. A packet of Metrex, which was like what, like almost 40 grams of protein there and, mm -hmm. and about 25, 30 grams of carbs. And then um, I would put, um, what else did I put in there? I'm trying to think now. Uh, apple juice. I think that was it. And that was, I, oh, and then I had, if you remember at the time, there was like Designer Way was out. I would put a scoop yes. of Designer yeah. Way. So I had to have, it had to be at least 75, 80 grams of protein in there. Mm. And I would blend this up. And when I blended it, I couldn't put the top on the blender because it was it was filled. I somehow figured it out. It would fill just to the top, and when it would blend, it would almost go over the top and spill over. But it didn't because I had it. I was so perfectly at measuring everything in my head that when the thing was done blending, it looked like cement in a cement mixer because it, it had no liquid consistency. It was completely sludge, mm -hmm. and it was to the top of the blender. So imagine a full blender, and then I would take this blender, I'd go over my sink, and I'd gulp it down. And with not even tasting it, just opening my throat up and letting the thing go down my throat. And it was so much volume and it was so thick, you know, stimulating that gag reflex that I would then have to lean over the sink like this and wait. Because if I didn't get past like five minutes, there was always a chance I would throw the thing up. What would happen is the saliva would be running down my throat in my, in my mouth. And I had to try to control that like psychologically, but, and sometimes I just couldn't, and then I would make it again. I would do it again. I would not, I was, I would not miss that shake. I would do it again. And I did this like two of those shakes a day, mm -hmm. in addition to eating like four meals, having like three or four regular metric shakes with an ultra fuel, which is hundred grams of carbs. Mm -hmm. And I would do them. I would do the ultra, the ultra fuel metric shakes in the middle of the night. I would do two of them. So mm -hmm. I never slept more than three hours without waking up and having a, a hundred grams of carbs or 120, 135 grams of carbs with the, um, uh, 38 grams of protein from the metrics. And I did this around the clock. I used to go to the diner by my house. It was a 24 hour diner in, in Long Island. They knew me there. I, I would go there and I would eat like this be um it was like a big hamburger it was like a, i forget what they call it. it was like a steak burger or something but it was a burger it was like it had to be a pound of beef okay so i would eat steak. french fries with it sometimes i would have you know you know like like a whole plate of chocolate chip pancakes and i would eat this like at midnight you yeah, know? yeah and 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 then i'd go home and i and i would have another i would still eat a shake at two at two in the morning before i went to bed yeah so yeah it was, it was, no one could do, I'm telling you, no one was able to, could, people would look at me when I, and they, and when I, they saw what I would do, cause they would go out to eat with me, you know, yeah. maybe having, like you said, like, you know, like three eggs and, yeah. and like, uh, <laughs> a bagel, you know, one, one pan, two pancakes. And I'm having like 12 eggs and like, you know, two stacks of pancakes. And it was like, it was a ridiculous amount of food that I was consuming. Mm. And I, every, I had this conversation with Rita and I just kind of wanted to see how you deal with it. She, she answered it um especially with social media now mm -hmm. there's a lot of trolls and i think it's disgusting what some people say um online and i think it's terrible behavior mm -hmm. but nevertheless it's something that we all have to deal with and somebody like yourself probably has to deal with it more than uh the average person mm -hmm. um 
how do you deal with it? Well, I think it's, it all comes down to what the direct statement is, you know, after winning New York pro, even because that had some notoriety for me for the first time, you know, in a while it was, you know, you could see some comments of why would a woman want to look like a man? Why would you want to do this or that? And they get worse than that. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to me, it's, I look at the, the comments that someone makes, you know, that, that that's pretty much, you know, a chicken shit thing to say about someone oh, yeah. that, you know, I don't walk up on the street and start having a conversation about the way someone looks right. and, you know, you get fit shamed, you get muscle shamed, you get fat shamed, you get gender shamed, you get all these different things on social media. And it's just, to me, it's just, I, I look at it and I start thinking of what, what's in that person's life to think it's okay to, mm -hmm. to make those kind of statements to someone. And then, you know, you look at the trolls that just want something from you mm -hmm. or, you know, that are asking you for a lot of things. And, you know, I try to be as polite as I can because I don't want to, I don't want to feed the fire. People are just looking sometimes to argue, mm -hmm. but you know, what I found on social media, some people are just lonely or want to be acknowledged or something. So mm -hmm. I kind of try to put myself on another level of, you know, this person's kind of pathetic if they're just, you know, coming at you, coming mm -hmm. at other people and just trying to knock you down. Some people just have, you know, some, some things in their life that they get excited about and, want to talk to you about it. So I just try to balance everything and say, you know, if somebody's respectful and wants me to answer them, you know, I try to answer as much as I can, sure. you know, or just acknowledge someone with a, Hey, I saw your comment. Right, and, right, 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 right. and if it gets ugly or about someone else, I can deal with it with myself. But when they talk specifically about people or name people, then I try to delete them and get rid of them. Okay. Now, do you ever, you ever have any kind of, um, issue in public all the time well anytime oh. i go anywhere but it's not it's not usually negative it's a lot of people will come and say i love your arms i love your oh, shoulders that's good. That's I love, good. you know i love the way you look and then you'll have the ones uh, uh jump right into it out of the blue out of nowhere you decided at a very very young age and at the top of your top of your career as a bodybuilder you decided just to retire. You threw it. You said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, um, I have to be honest because that's not the decision that I took uh, three. Uh, I cannot remember when I posted the, the, the video, but uh, it was a self-reflection that I had for almost two years. Uh, because after the Olympia in 2018, I had decided to take a break. So during 2019, mm -hmm. I didn't compete. I've dropped a lot of weight because um, we decided at that time with my coach that either I was doing open because I was really heavy or I had to shrink a little bit and stay in the 212 because it was way too much work, you know, to drop the weight all the time for every mm -hmm. competition. So I actually took a break and, um, you know, you live a different life when you suddenly uh, drop weight. Um, I've, to be honest, I've, enjoyed a lot that time because i've traveled a lot and uh, i was doing stuff i was not doing when i was competing you know like mm -hmm. in something I, I can say a basic life normal life if we can right. say right. and um so you know mindset my mindset has 
I mean, had tendency to change a little bit. Sure. And um, then you have a different vision on your life and also on, on your purpose in life. And um, when I tried, because I've tried in 2000, I mean, last year, I tried to compete and I had to stop the prep because of the COVID because my flat was canceled. And, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was very and, difficult. Uh, yeah. And uh, even when I was prepping for that show, I was not really convinced of what I was doing. And um, I always said to myself, if I if I start to have some doubts, if I'm not sure about what I'm doing, especially if you want to pretend to be on the Olympia stage, mm -hmm. uh, it's not good. You need to wake up every morning like uh, like a fucking machine, and That's you need right. to work and and think about only this. And I don't know. During that time, something happened in my head, and I just started to be not the same bodybuilder I was before when I was competing for the for the Olympia uh, because I was a machine and and no not anymore and uh, that's why I said okay I need to think about this perception that I have this sensation because um, it's not bad but I need to really yeah take into consideration what I what I feel mm -hmm. and uh, that's I had a lot of conversation with my coach with uh, many people also in the industry with my sponsors Mm -hmm. And uh, then I said, okay, I, I, I have to stop. I think that's the sign and that's the right moment to say, okay, let's do something else. Even if I'm young and uh, I'm truly aware of my potential. Uh, I always said with my coach, I know I can be, honestly, I, I was sure I could be the number one one day if I worked hard, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, But if the mind, if the heart, if those things are not on the same line, Mm -hmm. um then i don't want to compete honestly because i think i have way more to offer to people than just my physique i think i can you know i do coaching i i, I do okay. seminar and um i think i really want to work on this uh and and share more what i have as a person and not only as a bodybuilder not only as a as a physique mm -hmm. and uh, you know that's this yeah i mean all those things in my head finally just made me take that decision and said, okay, I'm done. A few years back, I, I always watch RX Muscle. I had Dave on uh, a couple of weeks ago, man. Great, okay. great interview. And you, you called it a few years back and you said, you watch and see these Middle Eastern bodybuilders are going to come out of the woodwork. Yes. And you must have called that, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago. I don't remember. Maybe, yeah, probably maybe eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And at a, all of a sudden, these tremendous, I mean, they're coming from, you know, Canada and Europe, but Middle East is just producing these champion bodybuilders, like with genetics, I've like never seen before. You know, why? Where did that come from? Okay. And why now? Okay. So I'll, I'll give you the, the, I'll put the politically correct answer aside and I'll give you okay. the truth. Mm -hmm. A couple of reasons. Number one, genetics. You said it best. Middle Eastern have the best of black, best of white. Then you got Middle Eastern. Okay, that's number one. Okay, number two, no fear of drugs. Mm. Absolutely fearless. Okay, talking sixty units of insulin a day. Sixty. Jesus Christ, man. Uh, thirty to forty IU's of growth a day. Um, maybe ten Anadrol a day. Uh, handful. I say I tell the story all the time. I'm not going to mention names, but someone when I did a seminar was asking me how much D ball do I take, 
and I was giving um, milligram doses of what I mm -hmm. take and they, they didn't understand. So I'm like, well, explain to me how much do you take? He goes, uh, about this much. No. <laughs> and I said, and I couldn't understand. I looked at the guy, the interpreter next to me. I'm like, I don't understand. He goes, he's telling you, he pours it in his hand and it feels right. Then that's how much he takes. Jesus Christ. So when I, when I hear things like that, I, I think to myself, okay, that's why they look the way they do. That's why they're, they're coming up. That's why when they see what you don't hear is what mm. I hear. How many of them are dying per year? Really? Hundreds and hundreds of them are dying per year. Hundreds are dying per year. Mm -hmm. And it's just no fear. Now, the next one is accessibility. When I went to Iran and I did my seminars uh, about five years ago, I had the best time in the world and I got to see the country like nobody else. I mean, I was with the one percenters. Mm -hmm. So I got to see the, the, the amazing side, Bugattis and and fucking mansions and parties. And I, I saw all that stuff, you know. Every night around two o'clock in the morning, there was a pharmacy called All Star or Star something pharmacy in the middle of Tehran. All I said to the guy was, let's stop by. Sure. I will give him 10 American dollars. 10 bucks I would give him. What do you want? Give me a, give me a 50 I use a growth. Give me 200 milligrams of test and give me about... 10 tabs of this and blah, 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 or a strip of this. 